from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live right here on Sirius XM 132. And you can give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we have the dream team in studio, Michelle and Dion here with us all hour long, ready to take your calls at 844-942-7866. Hey, I have some exciting news. My TED Talk is finally up and posted, so if you want to check out my TEDx, you can just go Google TEDx Talk and Don Graham. It's the easy way easy way to find it. Google has all the answers. So we are very excited today because on today's show, we have Catherine Minshew, who is the CEO and founder of The Muse, one of the fast companies, 50 most innovative companies in the world. I often talk about themuse.com on the show as a resource and go-to website. So I'm really excited to have Catherine on the show today to talk about this site that over 50 million people use. Catherine's also the co-author of The New Rules at Work, the modern playbook for navigating your career, and one of Inc.'s 15 women to watch in tech. Welcome to Career Talk, Catherine. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. We talk about themuse.com quite a bit on the show. And what I love about that resource in particular, Catherine, is you you guys have really taken career advice to the next level. So every time I log on, not only do you have great career advice, but you always have a unique spin or something original that I haven't seen in other places. So I've become a little bit of an addict to this site. And for anybody who's not yet checked it out, I recommend you go to the muse, the M-U-S-E dot com and check it out. But but tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start this in 2011. You know, the shortest answer is that I wanted it and it didn't exist. Um, the, the slightly longer answer is that I was in a career transition of my own. Um, I had been working at McKinsey and Company here in uh, New York City, and I knew I was done with consulting. But I had no idea what was next, you know, and I think a lot of people have been in that position. You have a general sense of what you don't want. You maybe have a few ideas about what you want, but it really just it floored me that in certain industries I was looking at, um, they had, you know, recruiters sort of rolling out the red carpet. And yet when I would go to job boards and look for different roles, it was this terrible experience, right? You know, you type something into the keyword search box, you get 5,732 results. They all look exactly the same. And there was nothing in there about, you know, why this job? Why this company? Why would I pick you as an organization over all of the others? And it just, I don't know, it seems so obvious to me that that individuals, that job seekers, candidates, whatever you want to call them, that people deserved more information about different companies, about different jobs, and really about their career, you know, sort of big picture. And I felt like for, for companies that there should be an opportunity for them to really showcase their values, their culture, their employee experience. And so the original idea of the Muse was really marrying and or combining this great career advice, sourcing, you know, the, the best of uh, the world's knowledge on how do you figure out what you want to do. How do you prep for an interview or write a cover letter or when are emoji appropriate in the workplace? Because frankly, none of us know. And then and then taking all that career advice and combining it with a really visual, in-depth look into companies and workplaces with our company profiles and um, you know allow people who are, whether they're job searching or just happy in a career and looking to get a little better, to get whatever it is they need to succeed. Yeah, and I will tell you, Catherine, you guys nailed it because I love this website. It's very comprehensive. It's always interesting. I mean, I'm in the career field, and I'm always learning something new from it. So, so hey, if you're new to themuse.com, do check it out. You will find lots of great career advice there, and we're excited to have Catherine Minshew, CEO and founder of The Muse, 
on today's show all hour long. So if you've got a question for Catherine or, of course, any job search or hiring question, we'd love to hear from you all hour long, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So how has the Muse evolved, Catherine, over the the last almost decade? Yeah. um, So... Let's see. I started the company seven years ago with my co-founder, Alex and uh, Melissa. And, you know, I think we, um, we've learned so much as we've grown. I, I am proud to say that the core guiding mission of the site has changed remarkably little since the early days. You know, it was, it was even back then, it was this idea of giving a individual everything they need to win at work, to succeed in their career and helping them research companies and careers. But of course, we've gotten a lot smarter about how we do that. So, you know, I think um, we've been able to expand and cover on the advice side, much more sort of specific industry-related advice and guidance. On the company and job search side, that's where a lot of what I'm really excited about today is happening because there's just so many tools out there and there's so many neat ways you can learn about a company um, today that you couldn't, you know, seven years ago. And so one of the things we're doing is we have a product called Brand Builder that companies actually give us access to their employee bases and they let us go directly to their employees as the muse and say, hey, what is it like to work here? What uh, What's your day in the day, you know, day in the life kind of like, what sort of people would be happy in this environment? What is, um, you know, a, a tradition or something that, that happens in the office that you think people on the outside should know about? How does your company kind of stack up against these different questions or, or attributes? And it's really fascinating to see what comes out because, you know, our goal is not necessarily to say, oh, these are the best companies, these are the worst companies. In fact, I'm much more interested in fit and in finding the right company for you. And that might mean that one person really gravitates towards an environment with, you know, a, a high tolerance for risk, lots of uh, change and short-term planning. Someone else wants an environment where consistency is valued and where people, you know, really put a lot of consideration into decisions and then stick with them. Neither of those are necessarily, you know, quote unquote wrong or right. They're different. And so I think one of the biggest evolutions of the Muse has been our ability to really get that sort of information from employees. And um, we're, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to be better and better about how we let um, employees talk about the companies they work on, how we help companies recruit based on really the, the, the true culture that they have, and then how we help job seekers have all of the information they need to make better career decisions. So, I mean, I could talk about this for hours. I'll, I'll cut myself <laughs> off for a little bit. But I, I just think there's so much that is happening right now in the kind of changing power dynamic between job seekers and employers. And it's been really fascinating as the news has grown to be able to provide you know more and more tools uh, for both sides and opportunities for both sides to connect. And that's why we're excited to have you on Career Talk today, Catherine, because we want to make sure people know about this great resource. If you haven't checked out themuse.com, if you're in a job search or even if you're not in a job search, there's a lot of resources on there that can help you um, even be more productive at work or have a difficult conversation with your boss, all of those things that impact your career long term. So, hey, if you've got a question for Catherine or, of course, any question about your job search or career, we'd love to hear from you all hour long on 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live here on Sirius XM channel 132. All hour taking your calls at 844-942-7866. So Catherine, does the Muse cater to a certain demographic? I mean, I mean, what information do you have about your users? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we started the site really focusing on uh, people like us and my, my co-founders and myself at the time were, you know, sort of mid 20s to early 30s looking at how we navigated our career. So our early user base really fit that demo. As the news has grown, we've uh, really expanded who's using the site. So I'll talk about this in, in two ways, the, the job seeker user side and also the companies, because I think both are, you know, kind of telling in terms of, of who uses the news. On the job seeker side, we have... Um, you know, five to eight million people every month who are coming to the Muse to research companies and careers and get advice. That's also um, almost entirely organic traffic. We are not, you know, spending money on marketing. It's people telling their friends, people coming to us through Google, through social media, through various channels, or frankly, because they just know and love the Muse, which which is my favorite. I'm a little biased there. And so in terms of who who's using it, about a quarter of our users are sort of the, the college and post-college, 18 to 24 years old, um, about 40% are 25 to 34. So I would call this kind of mid-career people who are 
figuring out what they want and then going out and moving, you know, moving up in the workforce. Um, I think our average user is about 29 or 30 years old. And then another 20% or so is 35 to 44 with the balance, call it about 15% uh, 45 plus. So we definitely skew kind of quote unquote next gen. I think 66% of our users are under 35. So definitely, um, you know, I think we've, we've found a particular resonance among people who are entering new and entering the workforce and, uh, and using the muse to help them really navigate it. Um, we definitely skew towards more uh, full-time salaried type roles, so less of the, the hourly demographic. The top three job searches on the site actually today are engineering, marketing, and sales. Uh, so that kind of gives you a sense of the types of roles people are looking for, the types of career paths they have. If you go you know, a few notches below that, you see things like um, design and creative roles, operations, finance, you know, business development, uh, data science, uh, you know, HR roles, admin roles, et cetera. So pretty broad diversity um, of roles. And then on the, um, you know, on the demographics, our audience is about 55% female, which is something we're very proud of. It's, you know, close to 50-50, but if you look at the fact that uh, a site like LinkedIn is about 56% male, there is definitely a, um, I think, a, a, an interesting skew to who's using the Muse, and we're also about 48% non-white. So that's something we're very proud of, too. I mean, if you look at, frankly, 21st century America and the workplaces we should be building, they are more inclusive. They are more diverse. And that is something that, that I've been passionate about since the very beginning. Yeah, and it's, it's think, very oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, it's very clear you're very data driven, which is which is something I love because I know that you guys just did a huge survey um, that that's looking at trends in 2019 and next gen. And I definitely want to talk about that because I think there's some interesting things that have come out of that. And hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM. We are here with Catherine Minshew, the CEO and founder at The Muse. And hey, if you haven't heard, I've put all my best advice from Career Talk, my blogs, and coaching at Wharton in a one-stop roadmap to help you get the job you want. My new book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success, is on Amazon. So if a career change is in your future, Switchers is the book you've been looking for. And hey, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we want to hear from you. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. It's open calls all hour. And we are here every Thursday for you. So Catherine, let's talk a little bit about about the survey. One of the things that came out was that 58% of people plan to change jobs in 2019. 58%. That's pretty high. I know. I do think it's, it's skewed by, you know, who's coming to use the views. We tend to see a big spike in interest when people are just starting to think about maybe changing jobs, maybe making a career change. But, you know, they're not necessarily on job boards. They're not necessarily out there applying to anything. They're just learning. So it is interesting. You know, that's, that's almost two-thirds of our user base is planning to change jobs. And what's more, you know, they're not just looking for jobs in the city they're living today. Almost 90%, I think it was 89% total of our users would consider moving for the right company and role. And I do think the right company and role is important there, right? So when we talk about, you know, what they value, it's not um, compensation is number one, which may surprise some people. In fact, uh, the, the number one thing that our user base valued in why they would choose a job is learning and growth opportunities. And that was then followed by work-life balance as number two. And compensation came in number three. So I do think this is interesting. It speaks a little bit to this kind of changing nature of work. And, you know, when we did a, a survey as well with millennial managers um, in partnership with Fast Company, culture and employee experience was the top factor that came out. I think all of these things are really speaking to this um, this draw that people are looking to get, you know, a little more from work than just a paycheck. It's also about what will I learn? What will I do? What will be the experience around me? So as companies are looking to hire, because we know that, um, you know, the market is pretty good right now. And so companies are looking to attract people. Uh, in your survey, it came out that 85% said a company's reputation is important. So what does this mean specifically? And how can companies put more information out there about their their reputation to attract next-gen employees? Yeah, this is a great question because for a long time, companies thought about their reputation only as their reputation of their product or service, sort of the front of the house. But really, job seekers today care about what is it like to work there? What is your reputation as an employer? Is it a good place to work? Is this a place where I'm going to be happy? And again, not all employees are looking for the exact same thing. So I don't necessarily think that companies should be striving to imitate, you know, just like Google or being just like some other company. It's really understanding what do you as an organization have to offer your employees 
and then getting that message out there. So one of the other things we saw in our survey is about 60% of our users said that testimonials from verified employees are among the most helpful types of content when deciding if a company is a good fit. And I think this is a really important point because it's not about, you know, the CEO or even the recruiting and the recruiters and the HR team saying, we are a great place to work. Um, candidates want to hear from your employees. And so I think the best thing that a company can do is really understand, you know, who in your employee base can be a good advocate for your company, who has an interesting story of, for example, growth and development, perhaps they were promoted from within, um, who is really able to speak to what it's like to be on your team. Um, you know, we have a, a variety of different tools when we work with companies for tapping employees across, you know, different offices, different teams, different functions, different demographics to really understand their employee experience and then spotlight some of those stories, either in text, photo, video, et cetera, for candidates so they can really understand what it's like to work there. Because again, I, I do think that um, that reputation is important, but it's not just, you know, are you a prestigious place to work? In fact, lots of very prestigious companies are losing out to smaller organizations that can more succinctly articulate, this is what your life will be like if you'll be here, and here's what you're going to, to get or to benefit from by joining our team. Hey, are you a company or manager that's looking to hire talent and want some great ideas? You're tuned in on the right day to Career Talk here on SiriusXM. We have Catherine Minshew, who's the CEO and founder at TheMuse.com. And we are talking all about how to hire next gen, how if you are in the job search, what tips you need to know for 2019 on Career Talk all hour long. So if it's Thursday noon Eastern, you can reach us at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can always follow me at Twitter or send a question there at Dr. Don Graham. So, Catherine, um, let's think about how companies are, are hiring. What do you think needs to change? Because there's a lot of new things out there, and I'd love to get your opinion on the, the new ways to hire, for example, interviewing via text, um, like strategies that include one-way video bios. I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of where we're moving toward in this hiring process? Yeah, well, I think that there's so many changes happening in how companies are recruiting. And you're right, there are along a few different kind of key themes. One is uh, companies are looking to introduce more standardization into the interview process. So that can mean interviewing uh, candidates uh, for particularly, you know, jobs with a lot of applicants via video at the beginning of the process. Um, that can mean, you know, creating uh, automated ways for candidates to get basic information. There's also, I think, a really interesting theme of companies really investing in and improving their candidate experience. And this is something that has, has really come to the forefront just in the last, let's call it sort of two to three years, where um, businesses are starting to realize that the impact of a negative candidate experience is quite massive. So, for example, most companies re uh, re reject about 99 applicants for every one person that they hire. Larger companies, the, uh, the, the mismatch can be even more dramatic. We have a customer that rejects over a million people a year and hires 25,000. So when you do this, the experiences of the people who apply to a job at your company and don't get it are actually quite important. And we found, for example, and, and some of the research in the space has found that candidates are sharing negative recruiting experiences with their inner circle about 66% of the time. And that in many cases, if a, if a candidate applies to a company and really feels disrespected during that process, they'll actually sever their business relationship with that employer. We've seen a, a few different people have tried to study this. It's come out between 10% and 44% of people who have a negative candidate experience will sever their relationship with your brand. And so I think that this is, this is such a key thing for employers to realize because for such a long time, hiring was like finding the needle in the haystack, except the hay are also your customers. And, you know, and, and never getting back to them or being disrespectful will often uh, ultimately hurt you as a business. And so, you know, we have been working with a lot of companies to really improve the candidate experience. And we find it comes down to really just sort of, you know, two or three simple things. One is getting back to a candidate, letting them know where they are in the process and when they're no longer considered. And most applicant tracking systems have kind of automated ways that you can do this if you're too large to have someone uh, return every candidate's email. And secondly, creating a candidate experience that gives people more information about your company and your values. I know I've, I've hit on this before, but it's so simple as part of the process of um, someone applying to your company to give them a few ways to learn more about what their life would be like if they did join. And that can often leave them with a positive impression of the company, even if you ultimately end up not hiring them.
So when you think about this candidate experience, I would I would think a one way video, which you know I've seen some of my clients just flat out say I'm not doing this because I mean let's face it, it's not natural. It's almost like one of you know one of those '80s videos that you made when you're when you're dating. Not that I did that; I was way too young. But <laughs> it's it's. Um, it, it is kind of impersonal, and I think you're right. I think a lot of the major players are focusing more on transparency in the hiring process and recognizing the value of the candidate's experience. But I think there's so many others that are not. And while I, I definitely applaud the fact that we're trying to hire in new ways because I do think the process needs to evolve, some of these just seem a little bit impersonal. Yeah, uh, we hear from candidates about that all the time. They'll say, you know, company X wants me to put together a cover letter resume, spend 30 minutes answering these questions via email, and, you know, they're not even going to get back to me. They're not even going to um, let me know if I've moved forward in the process. I do think, though, that, you know, candidates, their, their expectations are not, um, they're, they're not over the top in many cases. We saw one employer where when they sent out a link to ask people to complete a video interview, they also sent out a link to a video that they had created about their team and about their culture. And they basically said, you know, hey, we're excited to learn more about you. Due to an incredibly high volume of applicants, we asked candidates to answer this video, but we didn't want it to be just a one-way street. So we made a video for you to tell you more about us as well. And you know what? That was actually meaningful to a lot of candidates, even though Obviously, the company's making one video that thousands of candidates get, and each candidate is making a video of their own. It still felt like the company was trying to meet them halfway and trying to say, this process is not just about you groveling and begging for a job at my company. It's also about me helping you understand if this is going to be a good job that is a good fit for you. And I think the more that um, you can, can structure your recruiting and interviewing processes to treat candidates like individual humans with agency who are also making a choice, the more likely you are to get a positive response. And again, you know, when, when we dig into the data, we see that many rejected candidates will actually refer other great candidates in as long as they feel like they left with a positive experience. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here all hour live if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, taking your calls at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, have you ever been asked to do, to do something strange in the application process or maybe something you thought was excessive really early on as you were applying to a company? If so, we'd love to hear about it. What did you do? What happened? Give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here today talking with Catherine Minshew, who is the CEO and founder at The Muse, one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative companies in the world. And we're talking all about what's new in the hiring process and in the job search. So if you'd like to ask Catherine a question or you have any question on the job search, 844-942-7866. So Catherine, do you think some of these newer techniques of whether it's video interview or interview by text or um, things of that nature impact different generations so does it is it exclusionary in some ways you know that's a that's a great question i haven't seen data that uh that would indicate that but i hope someone is looking at that because i do think that you know it is important that as hiring managers and businesses we do our best to structure our interview processes to account for, you know, as, as, and to be inclusive of as many people as possible. We actually just published, uh, I believe it's an ebook on the Muse about how to really build your hiring processes in your workplace to be more um, welcoming and inclusive for people with disabilities. This is something that, um, you know, a lot of employers are not necessarily thinking about today. And I think the, genera- the generational impact is another one of these. So, you know, while I, I, don't, um, I don't know enough for sure in the data to say whether there's an impact there, I do think that um, it can be really helpful for employers before they roll out a new technology, you know, to to, to take a moment and say, is there a segment of our uh, potential hiring population that might struggle with this or that this might uh, box out? And should we think about either changing what we're doing or providing accommodation? Mm-hmm. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM channel 132. So 
The other thing about um, applicant tracking systems, Catherine, so my book is on switchers, so how to successfully land a job in a new industry or function. And obviously, applicant tracking systems are your worst enemy as somebody who doesn't have the requisite titles or years of experience. You know, so the book really focuses on how to get around those processes. And I know a lot of companies are using um, AI and other things to kind of try and hone these these systems, but I don't think we're there yet. So, so what do you see just in your experiences as the future of this technology in hiring? Yeah. So, applicant tracking systems, uh, you know, called APS in our industry, are are definitely sometimes controversial, but I do think they're getting a lot better. And I would say for for years, you know, if you go back, let's say, you know, five plus years ago. ATS really were the enemy of the candidate in many cases. You know, they would automatically screen people in or out. They, um, they, they helped recruiters manage these large candidate flows. But for a long time, they really weren't built uh, with the experience of the candidate in mind. And I do think that's been changing, particularly with both a new breed of applicant tracking systems that have, you know, really come in and, and started to change the game and also put some of the more established legacy systems on notice and then spurred them to introduce new candidate-friendly um, features. And so now I think that you know, we are seeing this move towards applicant tracking systems and other recruiting technologies that help candidates know where they are in the process, give them more information, you know, all the things we've been talking about. Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I do think that um, when you look at, at um, how a candidate sort of gets noticed, it is helpful to think about you know, if someone is employing a keyword match, for example, how can you as a job seeker get around that? And one of the small pieces of advice that um, my co-founder Alex and I wrote in our book is if you can actually print out the job description that you're applying for and highlight the words that seem to be really key in how they're describing that role, either the skills or traits they're looking for, the types of work that you're going to do, and then think about whether there's anything you can do to tailor your cover letter or resume, obviously while being truthful, but to incorporate some of the same words and concepts. That can be a really helpful way, both frankly for a human, to help uh, you know help people really draw that, that tight connection between what you bring to the table and your ability to do the job that they've written out. But also sometimes that can help make sure that if the applicant tracking system is scanning for any keywords, you're able to highlight and include those in your own background. 844-942-7866. Hey, if you're just tuning in now, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132, and you are just in time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz? There's a quiz? Okay, so April 22nd was National Jelly Bean Day. Who knew? And <laughs> there are over 100 flavors of Jelly Bellies. And last year, over 15 billion were consumed. Okay, Dion, get ready, because this one's for you. In the U.S., very cherry is the most loved flavor. What flavors take the second and third place for most loved jelly bellies in the U.S.? And you only need to get one of them, Dion. So you have two options. What flavors of jelly bellies take the second and third place for the most loved? If you think you know, you can give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we will be right back. You're listening to Career Talk. On Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio and we are powered by the Wharton School, Series XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we are live. All hour long, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And I'm excited because we have five brand new shows in May, all live. So if you want to find out what they are, follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham and we will let you know. But hey, in case you missed the pre-break quiz, we'll give it to you one more time. Here you go. April 22nd was National Jelly Bean Day. There are over 100 flavors of jelly bellies. And in the U.S., Very Cherry is the most loved flavor. 
What flavors take the second and third place for the most loved in the U.S.? If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So today we are here with Catherine Minchu, who is the CEO and founder at The Muse, and we are talking all about what is new in hiring and the job search for 2019. So we've been talking, Catherine, a little bit about the the hiring side, and I want to kind of flip to the candidate side. So as a CEO, what do you look for in a new hire, Catherine? That's a great question. It depends a little bit on the seniority of the hire and what role it is. But high level, some of the things I look for across every candidate are, uh, one, curiosity, I really value working with people who like to know why and who want to understand how things work, why decisions were made, who are really just curious and interested in the universe because I find that those people often have the best insights about how and why we could be better because they're really curious. They're really open to the possibility that things could be different. Um, I also really look for passion for the company and for the mission. I think we are very, very mission-driven at The Muse. Um, you know, we, we started in a living room with absolutely no money, but with a big dream of redefining how people researched companies and careers, how they found jobs. And, and really, um, you know, I think that belief that there, there can and should be a better way for job seekers and for employers to connect has animated a lot of the company's progress. And, and I really enjoy working with people who, who care and who are passionate about that. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that um, that respect and, and consideration for your colleagues and others is critically important. And, you know, when I when I started the company, um, Alex and I jokingly created a no assholes rule. I hope it's okay to say that on, on the air. If not, you can leave me out. But, um, you know, I think um, it, uh, it's been really core and important to our culture. And the, the hard thing is, right, everyone can say that um, we don't allow jerks. But when it really hits the road is when you have a talented employee who is not treating others well. And what do you do about it? You know, do you, do you promote that person anyway? Do you give them, you know, a clear, direct, and, uh, and, and very firm warning about why their behavior isn't acceptable? And then if they don't change, you know, do you show them the door? I think uh, culture lives and dies in the hard decision. And so, um, you know, I, I do my best to screen for that upfront and to make sure that we build a process that screens for that because, frankly, people are much better at showing me that they're so kind and so caring. You know, they don't always necessarily do the same thing to the uh, EA or the receptionist or someone else in the org. Um, but I think, you know, in addition to looking for that in people I hire, we've also had to build systems and processes into our performance management to ensure that that's um, – you know, that that's a message that's echoing loud and clear throughout the whole company. Yeah, no, that's a really great point, Catherine. And one of the things you said I want to highlight, because I think it's very important. I think people are hired based on what I call the motivation question, or it's the hunger, you know, why this company, why now? Um, and, and why you? And I think you're kind of you're kind of hitting on that with the curiosity and passion for for the environment and the culture and um, making sure it's a great fit. So if, if a candidate knows they're not happy where they are, but have no idea where they want to go, what are some of your tips for them to help them figure out what's the next step? Because I totally agree. You have to be focused and clear and hiring managers are going to want to see that you're very, very targeted in where you're going. Absolutely. So I think that there is a, uh, a couple-step process. First, I really encourage people to sit down and think about their values. And this is something that surprised a lot of people when Alex and I put it in our book, because usually, you know, job search advice starts with, well, what are you good at? Or, you know, what sort of jobs do you want to have? But we took a step back and said, start with your values. You know, is it uh, creativity and being able to really use your creativity on a day-to-day basis? Do you value stability in where you are uh, or consistency? Is it compensation? Is it prestige? Is it work-life balance? Um, and just get a sense of what are some of the key things that matter to you so that later when you start to assess different jobs or different career paths, you can compare things against those key values. Um, secondly, I think that your friends, family, and network can be very helpful. You know, if you have people that you've worked with in the past, asking them, you know, when have you seen me really light up? And, you know, what, from your perspective, what are the things that I love to do? What are the things that I'm great at? And, and I think you can really get some surprising insight uh, back from people in your network and, and how they perceive you. It doesn't mean, by the way, that you have to take them at face value, but it does mean that it may illuminate things that you hadn't considered that are actually part of your, your strength. 
And then I think it can be helpful to cast a wide net at the beginning. Now, again, this depends, um, you know, how much time you have for the job search. But I often encourage people, if you do have a little bit of time, to start with a broader brush and consider a few different types of careers, read up on those careers, you know, to the extent that you can find videos. We have a lot of them on the news of people talking about being in that career, what it's like to work in, you know, in sales or in front and engineering or whatever it is, really trying to get a little bit more of, of that context. And if you can do informational interviews, I think these are an incredibly powerful tool. This is where you reach out to somebody who's in a career path that you think might be interesting to you and see if they have time for a short coffee or a phone call so you can learn more about their career and learn more about how they got there. And I could give a lot of advice about informational interviews. There's a lot on the news. But one quick thing I'll say is I think it can be helpful to ask people questions like, what sort of person wouldn't be happy in this career? Or what are some of the challenges and difficult things about this career that you might be okay with but someone else might not be? Because at the end of the day, most people are going to lead with the positives. They're going to tell you the things that are great about what they do. But when you get into the, the more uh, mitigated or complexity, that's where you can really decide. And my co-founder, Alex, tells this great story about being really interested in, I think it was working in, in brand management um, or, or brand creation or something like that. But after a few informational interviews, she started to hear people talking about, you know, the haggling over a specific shade of blue and just the minute detail that happens and that needs to happen when you're working at that field at a very high level. And it helped her realize that she had a bias for, you know, quick action, iterate, go back, change things, like don't be too precious that might not work ultimately in that field in her favor and might not make her love it. And so that's one of the things that um, I think can be really helpful when you're not sure where you want to go. Yeah, I love that question, Catherine. Can you say that one more time? What um, <laughs> That was a great question yeah. for the informational yeah, I, interview. I think, exactly. I think the question is, um, firstly, what sort of people might not be happy yeah. in this career path? Or what sort of things are challenges in this role or in this industry that you might be fine with, but someone else might find really difficult? And that kind of allows people to open up about the challenges and the negativity without feeling like they're being negative themselves because you asked. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think one of the things, if I kind of take everything you've just said, that is a lost art. It's self-reflection. I think ever since we've we've had a computer in our hand, <laughs> we've lost mm -hmm. the art of standing in an elevator and just thinking or walking home and just thinking or walking around, whether it's the store or whatever. And, and we're not doing a lot of this. And I think it causes a lot of anxiety because people feel like I should know what I like. I should know what I want to do. But the fact is you really do need to slow down and consider what you value. You need to slow down and consider who you can talk to and kind of get out of that, that anxiety moment and really, really do your homework. So I think if, if you are struggling with what you want to do, create a plan for yourself. Um, schedule five people to talk to, and it doesn't matter who it is in some cases. Just get started. Just, you know, get on get on a website and start looking at different things because once you kind of start going down that path, I think you start to, to get clarity through that action, and we talk about that a lot. Do something. Do anything. Walk around the park without your, your headphones yeah. on and just see what comes to you because I think those are the moments that we've lost. 844-942-7866. We're here with Catherine Minshew, CEO and founder at The Muse. And, and I've, got, okay. oh, I've got one other thing that actually you made me think of that really helped me when I was actually going through a period of time where I was trying to figure out how to change my role to make me love it more and to give me more energy. And I actually wrote down every single hour what I was doing that hour and whether it gave me energy, took away energy, or left me the same. And it was fascinating to look back on my day and say, oh, wow, these type of activities were hugely draining for me. I did not enjoy them. These type of activities I loved. They lit me up. They gave me fuel and energy. And these were just fine. And of course, no job is going to be all perfect. But when you do, I called it like a time audit and an energy audit of my own day. You can also get some really just good trends about what powers you and what drives you and makes you excited. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense, Catherine. And I think in the same way, sometimes one negative thing at your job, whether it's a, a micromanaging boss or um, just one specific thing, maybe you're working with a difficult client, can really overshadow everything else and make you think, oh, this isn't for me anymore. But but if you can 
can pinpoint that and say, actually, if I can take care of this one thing, I really like what I'm doing, then I think maybe sometimes you realize you don't need to make a complete change. And again, that's where the reflection comes in. Great point. 844-942-7866. I think we should talk about jelly bellies now. So, all right, Dion. Did you, first, I need to ask you, did you know April 22nd was National Jelly Bean Day? Did you celebrate? Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> Liar. As long as, as there are no follow-up questions. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, the follow-up question is, what are the two, after Very Cherry, most beloved flavors in the U.S.? Okay. And I did give you a hint at the break. Yeah, and that kind of threw me off because mine is a basic name. Okay. But... I'm going to say, and I don't like this one. Okay, fair. But I'm going to say licorice is one of them. Dang, Dion. Yeah. He's right. I don't like it either. I don't don't like it either. I heard that somewhere, and when I heard it, I was like, yeah, it doesn't really taste good to me. Yeah, it's the number three, licorice. Who knew? Um, Do you know the other one? I always thought that was like the least favorite one of everybody. Yeah, apparently not. Just us. (laughs) <laughs> just the career talk. Dion, do you know the other one? Uh, wait, well, can't you get the other one? All right, Michelle. <laughs> okay, I'm going to guess toasted marshmallow because that's one of my favorites. No, but I will tell you because mm. I overheard you thinking out loud that your <gasps> other answer was right. Buttered popcorn. It is. Ew. Wow. Like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? What is happening here? Licorice and buttered popcorn. How do you go from very cherry to buttered popcorn? I mean, so basic that's... to the worst one. That's that's a lot. That's a big jump because cherry's regular, you know. Yeah, you know, like cherry. cherry, lemon, and whatever else, red and blue. Red. <laughs> although, although Dion number four is also red, sizzling cinnamon. Oh, I, Ooh, I like that one. I don't. I see those are the three I Not, pick out. Shouldn't Jelly Bellies be like fruit flavored? Yeah, no. isn't that the thing? No. I love the popcorn one. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I know. Michelle. People think less of me when I tell them that, but I can't help it. <laughs> uh, Dion, what's your favorite? I know you're not a Jelly Belly person. Um, cherry. Well, <laughs> basic. That's very, that's very U.S. I don't, based. I don't, I don't eat a lot of Jelly Bellies. I'm not, I don't know. I know I don't like licorice, but I'm not sure what I do like. Okay, fair. Well, here are some other things to ponder as you're thinking about National Jelly Bean Day. Um, it takes seven to fourteen days to make a Jelly Belly jelly bean, and each has get this thirty two ingredients in that little bean. Um, that grosses me out yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like KFC chicken. Well, how because you know you- most of them are not natural things. Natural? You eat a jelly bean that tastes like buttered popcorn, so Michelle. Good. <laughs> you can't get a great a, point. It's made of buttered popcorn. <laughs> it is so far, <laughs> and buttered popcorn is very natural either if you think about it. Okay, each Jelly Belly is four calories, and they're eaten in more than 80 countries there. All you need to know, in case you missed it. um, I'm sure lots of people were wondering about that. Yeah, hey, if you're listening, what's your favorite Jelly Belly? And are you, like, we could all hang out because, Michelle, you could eat all the buttered popcorn. We can all throw out the licorice and... I'm happy with it. All right, fair. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. And hey, if you haven't gotten a copy of my book yet, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success, it is available on Amazon. And if you have gotten a copy, I'd love to hear your feedback. 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And today we are here with Catherine Minshew, the CEO and founder at The Muse, talking all about what's going on in 2019 in hiring and the job search. So, Catherine, what is a common mistake that that you see many job seekers make? Yeah, I think um, I could pick from a long list. One is job seekers who go into every job, um, you know, thinking that it's, it's all about them as opposed to it needs to be a good fit. And so, you know, I would describe this as, as someone who is, um, you know, just kind of bulldozing in with their questions about the company, their you know needs that they have, those are important. And, and I would say, by the way, it can be a mistake to be too far on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, job seekers that don't, you know, they completely suppress their own needs and they completely ignore what they care about. And they're all about just trying to seem perfect to the employer. But I think this is kind of a, you know, a Goldilocks situation where, um, where you want to be just right in that uh, job search is a two-way street. 
And so I think the, the best and the most effective job searchers, they go in with an awareness of who they are, what they value, what matters to them. And they are assessing the company, but they're also understanding that the company is assessing them. And one key way that this um, that this balance can can play out or not is in the cover letter. You know whether you uh, whether you're writing a cover letter. Obviously, not all jobs require them. Not all candidates do them. Many hiring managers don't look at them, unfortunately. But I find that the ones that do, they can make all the difference in really telling your story and catching someone's attention. And the best cover letters aren't just about who you are and what you want, but they're really about what you can bring to the organization and how you can help the hiring manager or the organization further their goals. Yeah, I totally agree. I always say the job search isn't about you. Once you've decided what you want to do, now it's about how you bring value to the company. And I think you need to position it that way. And too many people I've seen go in not preparing and they they give underwhelming answers to questions that, in my opinion, are not softballs. I mean, you know, why do you want this job is not a softball question. And answering something about I'm passionate and about your company, I mean, blah, blah. No boring. Talk about what you bring to the company. Make it easy for them to see you as a fit in that role. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM channel 132. So, um, Catherine, what are the new rules of acing the interview? <laughs> uh, the, a, big, uh, a big question, but I would say one is be prepared we have an interview prep worksheet you can download on the news that a lot of people find really, really helpful. Um, but the idea is, you know, thinking about uh, before you show up for the interview, really going through, you know, what um, what might they ask you and how do you want to think about it? We just talked about that question, which I totally agree with you. is so important. Like, why do you want to work here? Why did you apply to this, jo- this job? I think it's very powerful to really come prepared with a, a little bit of research about the company and an understanding of um, how you can serve their goals, how you can really fit in. Um, I also think that, you know, in, in terms of preparing for an interview, uh, if you are able to get the names of the people who are going to be interviewing you, which sometimes they're provided, and sometimes you can actually ask if you're talking to a recruiter, like, great, I'm so excited to come into the office. You know, would you be able to share uh, who I'll be meeting with? You know, I, I always love to look people up in advance. That can be very powerful because you can learn a little bit more about people's career paths, um, how they got to the role that they're in. Obviously, I would I would put this with an asterisk, which is try not to come off like a stalker. Um, if, if, you know, anyone who's done interviewing has been on the other side of the table from someone who's like, well, I saw that in 2009 you did this, and then in 2010 you said this, and you know, it, it, it's um it's not necessarily about telegraphing to them that you did all this research. It's simply getting a little bit of a sense of who's going to be across the table. So that if it makes sense or if it comes up, you have the context into, you know, sort of who they are. Um, I also recommend we have a, a really popular article on the news called How to Answer the 31 Most Common Interview Questions. Um, almost a million people read this article every single month. And it really just goes through what are the questions that you're most likely to be asked and what is the interviewer actually trying to get out of it? So everything from you know, can you tell me about yourself, where obviously we have a lot of content about that. How long should you talk for? How can you structure your answer? Why this is not the time to give your entire life story. Um, but also, you know, more more specific questions about, um, you know, tell me about a challenge or a conflict you faced at work and how you dealt with it. Where do you see yourself in five years, which obviously can be a really tricky one. Um, why are you leaving your current job or why did you, why did you move on? Uh, I think thinking through just some of the questions that are, are very common or very typical can give you a little bit of confidence and a little bit of time ahead of time to really think, you know, what is the message that, um, you know, that, yeah, that I want to be communicating here. And then I would say right before the interview, I really recommend, you know, check your clothes, wear something comfortable, um, shake out your body a little bit, make sure that you, you know, to the extent that you can, you feel good, you feel relaxed. Obviously, interviews are stressful. Everyone knows that. Um, one good thing to keep in mind is the person on the other side of the table would love nothing more than for you to be fantastic because that makes their job easier. That means they've found someone great that they might be able to hire. So they're rooting for you to succeed, even though they may not seem like it. And I think knowing that um, can sometimes be really helpful in just um, taking a deep breath and doing your best. Yeah, I love that. Setting your mindset and keeping that in mind. That is great advice, Catherine. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. Hey, if you haven't heard my TEDx talk, it is out online now. Just Google TEDx Talk and Don Graham and you will get to hear that. And hey, um, 
we're here all hour taking your call. So if you've got a question, 844-942-7866. So when I was researching this show, um, Catherine, it was funny. I came across an interview where you, you talked about having a go-to pump-up song for when you want to like, channel your most badass self. What is What is that song for you? Oh, man. Well... Uh, for a long time, it was uh, Waka Waka, which is the theme song from the 2010 World Cup. I think it's Shakira. Um, I, uh, I had a chance, this was before I started The Muse, when I was working in, um, actually in, in vaccines and international healthcare. I took a job based in Kigali, Rwanda, and I uh, flew over to South Africa a couple weeks before I had to be in Kigali and got to spend some time in the World Cup. And that song is just awesome for getting you pumped up. Um, it has a line about, you know, when you're knocked down, you got to get yourself up and get back in the saddle. And in the early days of the muse, I would listen to that uh, a lot to remind myself that all the rejection of being a startup founder was was normal and common. And so, you know, I, now I would say I've got a, a playlist. Um, I've got some country on there. I've got some pop. Um, I really like uh, a, a friend and, uh, and mentor and advisor to the muse, a woman named Rachel Sklar. Uh, did a parody version of a pink song called, uh, I think the pink song is Raise Your Glass. And uh, and Rachel wrote a version of it called Raise Some Cash. With a bunch <laughs> of startup jokes. Uh, I, I actually, you know, I have the lyrics still, but um, there's a recording that's been lost to time of a bunch of us singing it. Probably, honestly, better for everyone that it's been lost to time. But that was a big pump-up song for me for a long time. And I think having a few of those go-tos, whether it's you know listening to it before an interview, before a big conversation with your boss or a performance discussion, it can just really put you in this headspace and remind you like you've been in hard situations before, you've been through tough stuff. You know, rejection doesn't kill you. Um, not getting what you want doesn't kill you. You just got to go in there, show up, and do your best. Yeah, I love the idea of a pump up song. I definitely have one. Uh, Dion, do you have one? Do I have a pump up song? Yeah, pump up. <laughs> no? I can't think of one off the top of my head. Michelle, I pump should up? have one. You should have one. one either. Ah, you all need a pump up song. Guys, you're missing out. Yep, you're missing yeah, yeah. Out. So, so <laughs> this is the assignment for everybody listening. If you don't have a pump up song, you need to get a pump up song because I'm What's telling yours? you. What's yours? Mine is "Watch Me Shine" from the movie Legally Blonde. It is a great pump up song. Sad I asked. I know. Now, like everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" But. You'll have to I'm listen to Google it. that immediately after we get Yeah, out. Google it. It is like, it is, if I'm going, you know, to do something that's hard, I'm listening to Watch Me Shine. So get your bump up song. All right, Catherine, it's been great having you on the show today, talking all about uh, what's happening at themuse.com, talking all about your book, The New Rules at Work, the modern playbook for navigating your career. Um, as we wrap up, where can people reach you if they'd like more information? Yeah. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at Kmin, K-M-I-N. Um, you can reach me. Uh, you know, I'd love for people to check out the Muse. Let me know what they think. Um, I think that um, I'm trying to think what our we have a kind of contact us uh, page for people that have bigger questions. A lot of that stuff. If you put my name in it, Catherine Minshew, it'll get to me. Um, and yeah, I think you know Twitter is easiest. Um, I would say that uh, I try and check that every couple of days and get back to people and. It's just a, a nice way to also just keep my pulse on what people are talking about when it comes to me, when it comes to the news. We're obviously at the news on Twitter, um, Instagram. I'm at K Minshew. That's another great channel. So, yeah, I would love to hear what people think. And we're always open for uh, questions, suggestions, article ideas, uh, companies that want to work with us, anything and everything. Thank you so much, Catherine. Catherine Minshew, CEO and founder of TheMuse.com, for your advice and all of your expertise this hour on Career Talk. Dion and Michelle. Always love doing this hour with you. It is the most fun hour of my week. And, of course, to all of our listeners out there, we are here every Thursday live for you on SiriusXM Channel 132. And we have some great new shows coming up. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham to find out what's on tap for Career Talk. And we'll see you next time. Getting closer, this isn't over. The pressure's on.